Hey, this is Ross Payton with Roleplay Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 123, Pushing the Envelope. And with me, uh, as most of the time, uh, our co-host, uh, Tom Church. And we also have Aaron and special guest Dan and special Woo-hoo! guest Sean. Uh, Sean, uh, not the old Sean, but the new Sean. Uh, with his name spelled different. Because we had another Sean, Sean. Uh, so we had German Sean. We so. had German Sean. Wow. Uh, well, no, he wasn't well, really he German. Just like, he was history Sean. Okay. Yeah, history Sean. Well, like, it wasn't just your voice. You had like a jaunty face when you and did that intro. Oh, it's the holidays. You know how. Oh, you're you're feeling it. I'm feeling the. I'm feeling you're the. Feeling holiday. the joy. Yes. Uh, so in this episode, we're actually going to be talking about uh, handling sensitive issues in the game. Uh, should you push <laughs> the envelope in your game? Uh, Our gift to you over the holidays. Yes. Crippling depression. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Among other things. Uh, but I'm also excited because uh, Death Traps Volume 1 for Base Raiders is out. Uh, it's a PDF supplement written by uh, not just me, but Caleb. Caleb wrote some Death Traps for you guys. Imagine in, that. In uh, the Maestro Raider. himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's th- uh, $3.99. It will have five uh, unique Death Traps in it uh, with stats and game mechanics and backstory. And just ready to throw into any kind of base I- in your Base Raiders game. So, And also, backers of the Boiling Point Kickstarter will get their PDF copies for free through DriveThruRPG. So check your email. That's what you get for being awesome and supporting us. Yes. Uh, Those that, who don't, yeah. you're not awesome. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, they can buy well, it and they be can, awesome. Yeah, they can still buy it and be yeah. awesome in their own separate. Fine, you do that, you'll, you're awesome again. <laughs> we have compromised the awesomeness issue. Uh, also, if you're a uh, Patreon backer at the $10 level or above, uh, and you have been for at least a few months, uh, please at, enter in your mailing address in your uh, user profile uh, so I can... Um, Mail you a postcard from uh, Patreon. This is a one-time reward uh, for Patreon backers. This, I don't know if I'll ever do this again. This is kind of an experiment to see how much of a pain in the ass it is and how expensive it is to mail postcards overseas and uh, around the country. Uh, but uh, it's a full-color postcard of uh, our the art from uh, RPPR, the Plays the Thing, uh, our take on Macbeth. It is a crimson bouncy <laughs> castle. It is beautiful and brilliant. <laughs> We are uh, we are master thespians. I think Dan uh, yes. just found them. So no, no, oh, I, yeah, I, the, yeah, that is an amazingly grim, dark, bouncy castle. <laughs> it Not is. Not gonna lie, the the grimmest and darkest. Uh, so that's something to look forward to in the mail. Uh, so the um, and of course in this episode we'll have some shout outs and an anecdote later on. But first off, well, I guess we should get to the main topic. Uh, that's which, what you pay us for. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan. What suggested. payment? Uh, because obviously this issue has come up before in comments uh, and other things on the site on how to handle uh, darker issues, topics in games, be especially in horror games. Uh, but Dan, just through internal discussion on RPPR, you kind of came up with a scenario concept, and that kind of led to this show topic. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, essentially it was going with some of the comments that have been made about some of the darker <laughs> themes and even some people talking about, you know, uh, one of the comments on even the Robo campaign was that it's nice to have a more lighthearted fare on the AP thread. Yeah, um, that is true. We do tend to go. I mean, most of our major campaigns have been pretty dark. Yeah, in, in uh, but even still, like for as dark as we've gotten, sometimes there are some issues that we still don't touch very often, and right. when we do, we're 
you know, there's that gun shy hesitation about right. whether or not we should even touch it but or do anything. I noticed that, that when that when we are going to do it, yeah, we like we treat it with the respect I think it deserves, like by saying, "Is everyone going to be cool with this?" Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's no. I don't think there's ever been an issue where we have immediately dropped uh, that kind of bomb on anybody else to the point where it, it would be disturbing or uncomfortable enough. Though, so though, but given the fact that we've had comments. Sadly, out of the last one, that kind of sparked a big debate. Well, yeah. Uh, but Dan... We're not going to go into the details. Yeah. No. Uh, why don't you talk about... Yeah, you, you had an idea for a scenario, and this sort of uh, led to this whole topic, so... Well, yeah, and part of that internal discussion amongst us here at RPPR, you know, um, one of the things was come up was mental illness and how some RPGs do really well in trying to handle or simulate mental illness. Others do not. A lot do not. Yeah. A lot yeah. do not. Yeah. Like Call of Cthulhu at least has a sanity system in place, but I know that I've had discussions with people about, you know, some mental illnesses being biological in nature. How does staring into a book suddenly make you have that disorder, which is kind of <laughs> odd, but <coughs> meh. There are ways that could I could justify that by saying, like, the book itself is like emitting basically mythos radiation and it's basically yeah. you're getting mythos cancer and it's thought, all it's all up in your brain or you're it, getting thought cancer from it or so. you're getting uh, it's like or it, you have an item that literally is connecting to a realm with different laws of physics and we have no idea how that's going to affect somebody either but if so. you're using the call of cthulhu rule set and you're not dealing with things in the mythos then it, yeah. it starts to fall apart sure. but then yeah. again you're walking away from the premise of the game da, 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 da. yeah yeah <laughs> um and so talking about mental illness in that, you know, there's stereotypes and stigma involved around that. Like one yeah. of the, uh, and I'm coming straight off of a training about how to teach mental health first aid. Um, and so one of the statistics we talked about in there was that, you know, there's the preconception that someone with mental illness is more likely to be violent. Right. It's what media would have us believe, given the fact that every time some massive violent act occurs, the first question is, well, are they mentally ill and were they getting the right treatment? When realistically, people with mental illness are more likely to be victims of violence than they are to be perpetrators of violence. This is normally, we, all, we usually, we normally hear more about it when it, it's the other way around. Because yes. that's, that's better ratings for a news story. story. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Confirmation bias. And so what the scenario that I pitched was dealing, like, I originally pitched it as a Delta Green scenario where either Delta Green agents or friendlies encounter individuals that um, when they have some kind of attack or relapse or are not successfully managing their disorder, um, that they become a mythos vector. Like the one, the specific example I used was somebody that if they have an acute schizophrenia event, that they pull so many people within 10, 20, 30 feet with them into Carcosa and the person comes back, but the other people don't. So how would Delta Green handle that scenario? Of course, Ross brought up, why wouldn't they just shoot the guy in the head? Because one thing that Delta Green in its own writing makes a point is that Delta Green really, they're not good guys. They're exterminators. They, They do what they think is necessary to preserve the human species. And that means, if there's any doubt, destroy everything. So, like, they will, they will gladly, I mean, not gladly, but they will readily kill innocent people. 
and just because they might be bad or they might do something that will hurt other people later on. And I remember talking with you, Dan, when you brought this up, that the only way I was I was seeing that that might work in the Delta Green one is if you had like a Cowboys versus corporate <laughs> that the Cowboys maybe had some uh, all other knowledge that they were trying to either act on or maybe pass on to corporate who wasn't listening to it. So, but... Right, and so then, well, this the I, the internal conflict for that scenario that I was proposing was getting putting the PCs in a situation where they have to decide: do we, yeah, do we kill this person or do we help them manage their illness? Yeah, uh, that yeah, that's exactly, and that's sort of the the, the dilemma of how do you structure the scenario. Um, and we talked about ways that that could happen in the scenario. But the other thing is, like, just approaching that in that scenario in that uh, way, would that even be handling that topic correctly? I mean, or like right. in a way that, that does it justice. Again, because I think the goal here when we're talking about the show is how to do sensitive issues with – uh, out being exploitive or feeding into stereotypes, uh, or I mean, the, the the biggest goal actually is not pissing off or uh, alienating people at your own game table, right? Because you don't know what other people's life stories are. You don't know, like maybe somebody's mother or a relation or somebody, some cousin or somebody, or you know, are struggling with mental health, and they like, I don't want to have a scenario where I have to, you know, have to deal treat. You know, someone like my aunt as a threat or a monster because right. I feel sorry. For, you know, I'm trying to help her. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, and that's kind of thing. So, right, and a large part of that, at least on the mental health side, is that you know, learning how to approach it and just learning how to change your own language. And again, that's me talking from my own professional background and training yeah. and education. Is that you use person person first language you don't say you know that schizophrenic attacks you he's like well this person who's suffering from schizophrenia is having an episode um and you are going to be harmed i mean, yeah a lot more words and even still <coughs> saying suffering from schizophrenia might even be depending on the situation still can still has a negative connotation but that's just one of the things like your home language it's if you're wanting to approach this topic you need to be able to talk about it respectfully yourself and be able to train yourself to say it so if you're wanting to push the envelope in any other way like if you want to talk about child abuse you need to talk about it in a way that doesn't make it you don't disregard it or make it flippant you kind of address it in a way it's like you know this is serious this is something that has happened and it's not inherently good, bad, or funny. Right. It's just a thing that happened and you guys need to respond to it. How do you choose to respond? Uh, so in other words, you need to do research and yes. prepare. You And you can't just rely on what you... Just the first idea that comes off your head and just like, oh, I'm sure that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I've heard someone... I've heard it was, but someone said, like, if you're going to address a controversial or sensitive issue, the first thing you need to do is know what you're talking about. Right. No, this yeah. is... Yeah, no, mm-hmm. like... Like, yeah, exactly how these kind of things, how, like, for example, you're dealing a, a game about a schizophrenic person. How does schizophrenia work? Like, how, how does that person act, you know, like an actor doing research for the role? Like, you need to, because when you, the, the Hollywood version of schizophrenia is very different from the real version of schizophrenia, if, yeah. is my understanding. Yeah, and the Hollywood version of schizophrenia is usually very one-dimensional, and it doesn't address <laughs> the fact that there's large varieties of ways that I can choose to manifest or uh, yeah you know, it's like a lot of the time it's they focus on the hallucinations they don't focus on some of the disjointed thinking or thought processes that go along with it yeah 
So, uh, so yeah, it, it's a challenge, in other words. Yeah. Uh, so if you, I guess that's the first thing. If you want to do this, uh, be sure it's extra work. So yeah, uh, actually, uh, I remember that person was talking about that. We said like we was talking about this uh, Twilight movie. Yeah. We're like we're going to deal with abortion. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people hated that one is because it's Stephanie Myers talking about something she clearly knows doesn't know anything about. Mm. Okay. So uh, or it's coming from an, someone that no one n- believes is an expert on the topic. Okay. Yeah, you have to have credibility. You do. Um, yeah. At least among I, the players. And yeah. I think you know just part of that because again the scenario I ran at Gen Con the reason why people liked it this way they they did is because I had been so uh, marinated this, in the um well just to, for the listeners this is the um Scenario ran monsters and other childish things. Yes, yeah. uh, I forgot the exact title. It was uh, White to, Forest Institute or something like it that. It was something. Yeah, to, uh, to go home again or something like yeah, that. Yeah, to go home, we have to leave things behind. Uh, and we have that on the actual play site, so you can take a look at that. Um, but the yeah, so that and basically the idea is I was the in kids, that scenario. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or at least the first play test. And so, uh, what was the initial premise of the game? The initial premise of the game was dealing was the fact that. Um, uh, the children and their monsters have all been targeted or have been taken to this white forest institute um, because they're when something happened and the kids tried to blame their monster and everyone's like oh well these children are obviously not right so we're going to take them away for treatment in a residential facility until they get better and so the staff at the facility are trying to convince these children that their monsters don't exist while at the same time, there's some kind of weird art, some kind of weird series of events or confluence that prevent the monsters from being able to manifest in front of their children and be able to prove to them that, yes, we do exist. It's like, well, now I'm taking meds and my therapist is telling me they don't exist. So maybe they don't really exist. And so the bonds between monster and child are severed. That's something that, you know, people responded to pretty well, even though some of the sessions kind of went to some dark places people still rolled with it and ran with it and if i hadn't had all of that firsthand experience and knowledge it would have been a struggle for me to run yeah mm-hmm. without doing a lot of research on it first yeah the research can be like if you work in the, this kind of field obviously your own you don't have to do any extra research if it's your job or something <laughs> that you're studying professionally um what are some other uh topics have any of you guys uh like aaron have you run any games that uh, you've had to do extra work for this kind of thing or tom or uh i'm trying to think of reese uh well actually yes a little bit of uh that when i was running for um oh <laughs> no, I can't remember the name that I actually was gave it, the, it to. Uh, it was the the tunnel one. Uh, the beloved dead. The beloved dead. Thank you too from uh, taking that. No, uh, yeah, I actually looked into um, a lot of homeless culture around that time because uh, I realized my knowledge was very little of that. And uh, actually, one of our friends, uh, Jacob, kind of gave me a little bit perspective about that. Yeah. Um, because of his experiences with the homeless community out in San Francisco and how they moved in groups and they were very supportive of each other. And uh, in addition to that, watching also the documentary uh, Dark Days, which you right. pointed to me and which the original inspiration for that. Um, and kind of seeing and, and seeing what the what life would be like as a panhandler or uh, some yeah. of these people who actually live normal lives but just have no homes. Yeah. So. Uh, and, that, and that's a key thing. They were supportive of each other. And I think like the Hollywood depiction of homeless communities or cultures is that they're very like oh they're criminal. doggy dog it's very criminal it's very much 
you have to. It's like almost like a prison thing. If you don't watch out, you're going to get killed. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a shank or be shanked world. I mean, it's and, not a utopia by any stretch of the means. But no, like, but it was much. It, it was much more cooperative because yeah. uh, kind of going back with what uh, Jacob had told me previously uh, with the experiences that he had with them, uh, that they would gather resources around and spread them out after the day. Like this many cigarettes right. for these people. Uh, hey, this place is getting out free food here. So right. Altruism. Yeah. Uh, so. And I've done the same thing. Like, you, like when I ran games set like in World War II, where the players were actually playing Nazis. Yeah. Or like they were playing uh, like commissars of the Stalin regime. Okay. I yeah. actually have to kind of be careful of that. You know that of that too. Like I can't, I can't. You know, glorify. It's like it's like. Well, you guys get to be evil today because you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, although, I mean. <laughs> Well, the actual commissar that you were playing, yeah. That uh, no, I was actually thinking with the. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of the Nazi spy game. Uh, mm-hmm. That w- that one uh, did go a little uh, pulp with. The, well, but that was more the players and the, the dog punching and whatnot. So um, yeah. well, and yeah. But anyways, or we're like we're playing, yeah. we're like playing like prisoners of war in. Uh, but, oh yeah, too. that's a very good one. Like, like what the, who the, they were, where they're from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the first divine fire, or um, then kind of going with other people's research too, because we probably could ask Caleb later on about the stuff he did for Dangers of Fraternization, because oh, yeah. all the characters that we played, or especially the NPCs, it was all gray area. There was no yeah. immediate black or white. Right. And there's like scenarios I thought of that I I just don't want to do. Like I thought I thought of one set in a concentration camp, but I'm like. I just don't know if I can. That could do be a little. See, there we go. There, yeah. there, there is such a is a bridge too far that you could go, and and there's also the larger question of is it worth it? I mean, right. mm-hmm. RPGs, I think are can be art, but they're they're also supposed to be fun. Like it's a you want to play, and if you play a game in a concentration camp, like oh my god, <laughs> like I that would just like. I would not be ready to wake up the next That's the day. level of nihilism we're not ready to deal yeah. with. One of the central aspects of role playing that I always kind of draw, you know, am drawn towards is yeah. it's escapism. You're yeah. doing this to kind of, I mean, I'm not saying everybody's life is terrible and that's why we play role playing games. It's not yeah. like that. It's more just, it's that you're reaching towards something a little bit higher and it's on some level, at least something more yeah. interesting. So there's that to take into account as well. Um, how grim dark do you want to go? Well, yeah. in one of the stereotypical examples of like, if you want to run a game with a, that brushes against controversial or sensitive topics, you know, you could just run a D&D, everyone is some kind of evil alignment game. Yeah. And that will get grimdark really fast if you are not careful and manage it effectively. I think the problem, although there is one, if you're going to do a D&D or a type game where everyone is evil, you have to come up with a really, you have to structure the campaign very well because otherwise, everyone goes cartoonishly evil and everyone starts backstabbing each other mm. immediately. Like, or, bad guys work together. Like, the Nazis work together really well. Yeah, like, they did. That that what that was terrible for the rest of us. It would have been better if they immediately backstabbed each other. But well, and that's there was the backstabbing. Is like but, yeah. you know, because yeah. even then you get varying degrees of evil. It's just like. Oh my God! He took it to that point. He went that far. He yeah. killed so many puppies. He must die. It's like, well, if you're not a good person, you probably shouldn't feel bad about killing puppies. Yeah, but well, I think it's true. Like, I think most people actually suck at playing evil people because their idea of evil is totally over the top. 
Well, and it's also hard because mm-hmm. in that particular genre, even the good aligned people are still slightly sociopathic. Yes, uh, they are. Like in World yeah. War II, there were no real heroes in terms of like nation states. Like the Allies bombed a lot of civilians, like Dresden and of mm-hmm. course Tokyo, Hiroshima, Hiroshima Nagasaki. A lot of a lot of innocent yeah. people died on and were killed, and a lot of people were left behind to die. I mean, because it's war. Uh, General MacArthur uh, left behind all those U.S. soldiers in the Philippines and. That didn't work out so well from them. Uh, so uh, there, there's a lot. Uh, uh, there's a lot of complexity. I think part of the problem of not wanting to do an evil thing is, um, you know, just they're not used to acting or like pretending to be someone that they're diametrically opposed to. Because you, you, it gets to be uncomfortable. Be like, yes, I can understand. I will execute this innocent person to be to punish. The village because they had some resistance fighters, uh, I, and that that makes you feel uncomfortable. And then it's also uh, again going back to reading your own table. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And asking the question. I even dropped the character for that same reason in uh, yeah. the parts of God's Teeth not yet posted. So yeah, yeah. It's just the character felt too icky. Yeah, <laughs> I had to switch. Even though the replacement wasn't necessarily a good person. He was just a little... He was someone you could roleplay more. Right. It was a lot easier to do that. So, Uh, But Dan, you were saying... But that then, that just goes into the next part of the topic. Is like, is, you know, how do you decide whether or not addressing this particular issue at your game table is going to be worth it? That the payoff is going to be worth it? It can be extremely rewarding if it's handled well. I mean, that's why the extra effort comes into a more satisfying, a more memorable game. Mm -hmm. So it can be worth it. So don't, like, don't take our discussion to be like, oh, never... Keep it in Candyland forever, you know. Like <laughs> uh, Candyland can get pretty. <laughs> yeah, I we know Adventure Time is grim dark. Okay, <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, yeah. How how do you tell if your table is ready for this? Uh, I think the first thing, unless you're a telepath and you can literally read their minds, is to actually talk to them and ask them, "Hey guys, I'm doing. I want to do a game about this. What do you think?" Uh, and if they at, look at you in horror, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, or Dan did what other thing? I mean, well, and also that just yeah. feeds into you know knowing the people you play with and knowing what types of games and what types of topics your players or your G or your available DMs respond to. Yeah, like even amongst our group, in it keeps getting bigger and bigger. It seems you know there are certain <laughs> we have games, multiple groups now, yeah. which yeah. is great. Like uh, there are some games that uh, you know I, I particularly shy away from. Sure. more grimdark settings because I don't I do want to escape the grimdark reality that is working in my field sure mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah, and I yeah. also know that some people don't like fantasy some people don't like the Candyland style tropes yeah. and so it's just being able to have that conversation and being straightforward and honest with your players and your other gamers is that you know if there's somebody that is not comfortable by this scenario I need to know yeah um, because you know when you're talking about something, especially when you're approaching a sensitive topic and it's not something people openly discuss, you don't have to ask. Well, um, there's going to be some themes of rape in this game. Is anyone that anyone here ever been raped and wouldn't be comfortable talking about it? Yeah, don't say that. Don't do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just ask. This is going to talk about yeah, sexual assault or whatever, and. Uh, you can just email me. If anybody emails me, I, I will I will not do it. Or if anybody's like, ooh, yeah. yeah or you if know. you're just not comfortable with it, are yeah. you okay with like stepping out this session? Yeah, or? for example, that's why I don't handle it. Well, even still, that can yeah. get a little bit of an issue. It's like, oh, like, like if we all sat here and decided yeah. to run a game like that, or I was running the game, and I sent that e- said, somebody send me an email, and yeah. 
the rest of us will just play. If Aaron didn't show up, you're like, why does Aaron not want to play in this game? Is yeah. there something about him we don't know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's so, uh, unwittingly outing somebody towards yep. something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. So you have to be uh, sort of mature and discreet in, in tackling this. I mean, and as a yeah, G- there are yeah. multiple ways yeah. to handle it. And I think the consensus is, is that. Um, at the end of the day, you just have to realize that if some if one person at your table is not going to be okay with it, you might have to be okay with not running that scenario with your table. Yeah. That might mm-hmm. be a that might be something like if you frequent cons, you might throw that up as a con game and just put that warning out there saying this yeah. game will address this topic. Yes, uh, very explicit labels, uh, content advisory, whatever trigger warnings, trigger warnings, mm-hmm. uh, and they all mean the same thing basically. Yeah. I mean they're they're like. This talks about this if you have a problem with it. You know, it's like movie ratings in, in some way, but more explicit. Like, because, you know, our, like movie ratings now are, are hardly useful because, like, an R rated movie from 20 years ago is vastly different from an R rated movie today. And, like, you don't know if that R rating is because of 35 people are disemboweled and murdered or two dudes kiss each other, which is what it takes mm-hmm. to get an R rating uh, in a lot of cases, especially if it's a low-budget movie. If it's a low-budget indie art film, oh, no. Mm-mm. No, uh, yeah. None of that. I've also noticed, uh, like... There's a great documentary about all this uh, mm-hmm. called This Film's Not Yet Rated, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I've anyway. also noticed, and and often the more, like, when you take a con- something that could be controversial, put a more fantastical spin on it, it is less so, like... You know, if I had a game where like you're you're going to be going after a serial rapist, that yeah. could be, you know, icky. But yeah. if you're dealing with deep ones, okay, yeah, it's the same kind of things that happen, but it now it's monsters instead yeah. of people. Well, it's kind of looking at it in the terms of like in a movie example, like Pan's Labyrinth, which very much was a fantasy, but also it was set in the backdrop of the Spanish Civil War and the horrors that happened there. Yeah. Uh, and being a civilian in a war well, zone, yeah. And that part of that might be you might be more okay with deep ones. Mm-hmm. Being exactly. the adversary because you have literally dehumanized yeah. your opponent to the point where you, you know, it's like, you know, that's an entity that I can't understand. They're from beyond my time and space. But they bleed. But yeah. they bleed. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. And uh, like, like in Shanghai, like I dealt with that. And I think as like, I wasn't even, didn't even realize until I got to that point, like, oh shit. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, by that time, everyone's like, no, no, we're good. But we know, yeah. we're, we know what to do here. We're, we're yeah. Fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And having this conversation, I just realized that part of the Dresden campaign has been brushing up against a topic that it's not. We are not. We're. It is a sensitive issue. Yeah, it is yeah, a sensitive issue. Um, well, you know, one of the Eric, one of the players, he's playing a changeling um, affiliated with the Lost Spring Court of the Fae, and he's moonstruck, and he uses his Fae abilities to charm the pants off of women, literally. Yeah. And and so there are times that he has done that to try to help advance the plot or even for his own character development to say, like, you know, my character is not a good person. He sometimes does things that's not okay. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we walk away from that table feeling a little squeaky. Yeah. About mm-hmm. it. And we have to be able to address, like, I have to do better moving forward with that character and being able to address You have to confront way. him with the consequences of his actions. Oh, I already have plans <laughs> for confronting him with one of the consequences of <laughs> okay. his actions. It's it's going to be a slow roll, but it'll okay. be fine. 
but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's squicky now, but then I guess it could be more cathartic once it's resolved, if it, if it has that kind of... Right. That's the thing about fiction, is that it can have a, what we would think, a morally just ending, like, or some sort of, like, oh, not necessarily a happy ending, but one that, like... Yeah, you know, like the ending of True Detective season one. Uh, like, you're like, yes, that is a satisfying ending for that. Unlike real life, which never ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for particular people, it does, but like, innocent, it just keeps going on. Yeah, the ride never ends. Yeah, the well, ride never yeah. ends. And so, you know, and I think there are some other things that's just, you know, we as the we as the players, as the consumers of the industry, the gaming industry products, we have to be a lot more selective and a lot more policing ourselves better because the industry itself is does not have a very great track record about handling <laughs> sensitive topics. Hi, uh, Fatal. Yeah, well, no, fatal, okay. Like I know people bring up Fatal, but Fatal really is... It's kind of it's a cartoonish thing. It was done by amateurs who like they never got it to print. It's just a PDF. It's they never made any money with it. I think what's more problematic, if we want to use that word, uh, would be something like Black Dog Industries, which I think Sean would like to yeah. talk about because uh, you, you, right. you you're more of an expert in this. Uh, yeah, I was a tremendous White Wolf nerd back in the day. Yeah. Um, so what happened was White Wolf was really trying to push. They were pushing the envelope early on. They were yeah. kind of. Uh, maybe I'm just being way too grandiose in this. They <laughs> did actually change the landscape of gaming a bit. They did. Uh, um, Wolf did. I don't was, think anyone. It was really a that. huge like revolution in the whole thing. Um, and they did address a lot of the hot button issues. They did address mental illness, and a lot of players would do these teddy bear hugging. Pranky Malkavians instead of actually addressing. Well, uh, the, the, there's a term for it, or there's a, a slang for it called fish malk. Yeah, uh, from uh, <laughs> slapping people with fish. Well, it, it, it's specifically from art from uh, Vampire: The Middle Ages, Dark Ages one, where there's a Malkavian kissing a dead fish. Yes. Uh, so he's so, like, "Oh God, another fish malk! Oh, look how wacky I am!" Right. Yeah. Um, so there was that whole issue, but then there Which was also the extremely problematic for mental health reasons. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, other things that were you know, they would try to address the bigger, deeper, darker issues because, well, world of darkness. If that's not a clue that they're going to try to do that, yeah, really. Okay, so they eventually came up with Black Dog Industries, and I know I'm probably going to misspeak on a few things here. My history is not as good as it used to be, but uh, Black Dog Industries became their outlet to publish everything that they knew would be controversial, Squeaky. just downright itchy skin bad feeling stuff right. but that these things existed in their world so they were going to address it and on the side note which I know you're going to bring up yeah. it sold books it did sell books yeah. um, so some of the things they published in that were interesting and if you had a group that was properly primed and could handle it <coughs> without it getting to that cartoon darkness you know we're just going to go relive Hellraiser but from the side of the you know Cenobites just because <laughs> we're bad people kind of mentality um if you wanted to address that, they made the rules for it and sold it. They yeah. already had these things available in the main books, but, you know. It was more muted. Uh, right. Like it, it was the bad guys. It was implied in, like, um, like the thing about Black Dog, from what I remember of it, is that they didn't really separate between, like, this is, like, mature for actually mature people product or versus, like, I'm going to guar the shit out of this book. Well, uh, actually, the thing is, if you read a lot of the uh, commentary, they have the opening of the book. Yeah, they had all the all the warnings. They did put in the trigger. They were being warnings. very edgy. Uh, oh, they they were. Oh, yes, they were incredibly you know edgy, cynical Gen Xers about it. But um, edge masters. Yes, <laughs> I'm so edgy. You bleed. Um, yeah. 
But at the same time, they still would get, you know, neck deep in all this. Yeah. And so to say, like, some of the things that I would say probably went a bit too far were, like, the Fomori book. Yeah. And the Spectres book, which I had a copy of, I'll admit, which had some of the most eye-gouging, awful – it was actually really high quality, but awful is, like, content-wise art. Yeah. Um, yeah, they went there. They went Every kinds of there. And I'm not going to go into specifics, but if you're really interested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure you can find a copy on Amazon somewhere. Uh, or, just the, or just the list of, you know, eBay. a hierarchy of sins. There's probably just, PDFs out there. Too. But this is an example of a company. They were pushing, yeah. the, they were pushing that envelope. They were, you know, kind of forcing at the boundaries there. And did they go too far? I'm not going to say the, of course they did. Well, for many groups, that is way too far. Um, for some groups, it might not have been it. But mostly a lot of this probably never got run. Yeah. Um, and another thing Black Dog Games published as well that was really good was the Last Supper campaign. Mm-hmm. This did not get published under the White Wolf imprint. It was under Black Dog. And it wasn't explicitly as horrible, grimdark, disgusting, Cronenberg-esque, you know. Yeah. It was just a bit intense. Yeah. So... Um, so like that's that's what I was saying. Like you had some books like the former that were super cartoonishly evil, and then there are ones that were more like intel mature or right. like reasonable. You know, so and dark. It, but this kind of has been addressed historically. And then yeah. there's a. I'm not going to name which system it was. Tom and I discussed this the other night. There was a to say a, a prime example of what not to do. Yeah. Oh, this might trigger somebody. I don't know. Probably not. But I'm, I'm giving an example. This is something that happened in a game book from the 80s. There was a random insanity chart that's always a great way to start yeah one of the entries on this chart was homosexuality uh i think we've mentioned this before on the podcast and this is uh and i was actually thinking about this uh do you I, want do you want to name drop the book? Uh, I, know, I know the one it doesn't matter really okay because like i don't think it was the only i think there were other well the I, one that i was thinking of was specifically one of the early editions of teenage mutant ninja turtles and other strangeness yeah it was yeah. It, palladium yeah. uh that's so not a surprise you could get and you could get insanities from head trauma like right. just being hit in the head really hard so you could be hit in the head really hard and suddenly decide that you are a homosexual right well you know that's yeah, that that was that actually falls in line with car, with the cartoon physics of the eighties. <coughs> right, you get hit right. in the head, and now you have another a new personality. Uh, yeah. yeah, and 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 yeah. So if you're doing TMT where you're talking mutant animals who fight crime this for reasons, true, but uh, that it was still like incredibly like mm, oof, not oof. cool, yeah, not, not cool. <laughs> yeah. So why do we let Phil write that line? <laughs> no, that was right. Kevin Symbieta. <laughs> it's Symbieta all the way down. Like. Yeah, because even if somebody else wrote it, Symbieta edited enough of it to get the same content but put his name on it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he had to approve everything. Uh, yes, Kevin Symbieta is a terrible micromanager. From everything we've heard, I've never talked to the man. I've never met. Well, actually, I think I maybe said like hi to him at Gen Con or something like that. Uh, and soul I, I, and the rest I remember, and then he chased you like for sixteen blocks. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, he's in he's terrific shape for being uh, a yeah game designer. So the I mean that's the thing. Like you, you have to think about like what your table is, what's going to be rewarding for your table to run, uh, and uh, because. Uh, these games can be more challenging, but they can they they can have a better ending and more sass. And there are a lot of players who need a certain level of darkness just to like take the game seriously. Because if it's too nice, if it's too uh, you know fluffy bunnies, fluffy bunny door the explorer kind of thing, like they're like I don't care. Uh, so, but of course, on the other hand, there are going to be those guys out there that are the like the well, no, 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 the edge masters. I was going to think the the super people who like. 
that really like Frank Miller, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and think that everything needs to be super. That maturity is not that the difference between whether something is for kids and for adults is how much. You know what? I deeply, uh, I deeply respect women. Yeah. Well, by how many atrocities are in it, you know, mm-hmm. in like. Uh, that's not what, you know, the difference between adult and kids are, uh, but that's how some of them think. So I think that's a bad idea to put things in there just to think that, oh, this will make the game more mature if I put in, uh, you know, some terrible thing against, yeah. No, yeah, it's the, it's the game design variant of, well, turning, going into middle school, realizing you can cuss, and then every other, every third word you say is fuck or shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you, you not. Don't, you don't want it, like, seeing those people. Uh, you don't want to do that because it doesn't really add anything. It actually cheapens it because it doesn't have the same level of impact. If everything, if everyone is a Sin City character and everyone is a Sin City criminal doing all sorts of terrible things, then nothing is. You know, there has to be some variety. Uh, you know, in in the games that we do these, I hope that we we make the actual crimes or the actual atrocities very. It meaningful, you know, they're very dark and it really affects the character. I hope so, at least in our games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so let's see. Well, no, I think I think the uh, the assault and murder in Ga- Lady Gaga 2.0 was very mature. Don't well, you? again, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there are certain things can be treated different ways. Like murder, for example, is often treated rather comedically. Uh, and if you're doing a Looney turn, like in our games, at least, yeah, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. something. It's like you know, you, you could have a group that's entirely okay with, you know. Ending the life of another human being, but if you bring up sexual assault, whoa! Now, yeah, that's it's, that's it's the difference much. between Law and Order SVU and, and you know Agatha Christie, like that little <laughs> town, or like a murder she wrote. Yeah. Like that little well, town, actually, I think that I, murder she wrote lives in is the murder capital of the universe. Yeah. So many people get actually, killed yeah, there. They actually they actually did a uh, comparison of the places with the highest murder per capita. Yeah. And they said, actually, if you go by the population of the area and the number of murders, Cabot Cove was the number one, had the highest murder rate of any place on earth. And number two was Juarez. Yeah. Quick conspiracy theory. She masterminded all of the murders herself. She is Moriarty. Beware. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which, which I, she feeds on on them. Yeah. Yeah. Sean and I actually talked about this the other night as a quick aside. And we, I think this is actually pretty good because Angela Lansbury did play the main, um, controller in the Manchurian candidate. Oh yeah. So she is the ultimate mastermind. Well, Uh, I would, but I would say like, you know, a lot of most of our RPGs, like ours is the difference between, you know, like investigating a gruesome murder and clicking on cops in payday too. That's yeah, really yeah. how it's done. How yeah, it, it, it's, it. it's it depends on the context, and they and both can be fun. It's just you know what you want to do and what you think will be an int- like the whole point of running a game is coming up with something new, something interesting, something that will excite and interest your players. And so you have to <coughs> you have to keep changing what you're doing. You can't just run the same thing over and over again. Unless that's all your players ever want is dungeon crawl of the week, dungeon crawl. Of the I week. could not exist in that group. Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, so you need to have some sort of variety, and some of that is maturity. So. Uh, you know, and well, we tend to go kind of in dark places in some of our games, some more than others. Uh, but you know, there are some things that I'll just never run in games because I just don't think it would be worth it. You know, and then there are some that I I won't run just simply because I think they're too boring. You know, like a lot of like financial crimes. I don't know, like there unless there's a body attached to it. Like I don't mm-hmm. think the players would get they, like Andrew's oh, fortune. Well, like if you were state investigators. 
investigating a credit card fraud or like a payday loan place. And there's no murder. There's just like committing financial regulation frauds. I think that would get really boring for you guys. And the climax is you're under arrest for a credit card fraud. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah if, if nothing, if it doesn't lead anything to deeper, like, oh, this is part of some other massive consp- drug conspiracy or um, under uh, or, or the uh, the company has their success because they also worship Nairo Hotep. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, Dan. Uh, are there any kind of topics that you think we haven't covered that you think we would be good to cover, or that uh, that I mean, obviously well, the mental I mean, health we is a big We could have one. a discussion about ourselves and how we would like. We've already approached like, like what types of games would we be comfortable with being yeah. in, or how do we, when when since we've got at least ten people that are available to play a game, it's like when you see a game subject pop up is that is there ever a topic that you just go Ugh, no thanks uh well i mean for me it actually is it is uh, sexual assault and not just because of personal reasons but on storytelling level uh, levels because uh rape and sexual assault is so often used as a motive not for the character like it's just so often used like oh my wife was attacked i need to get revenge or like mm-hmm. you know and or it's just such a cliche now, you know, in uh, comic books and other kind of uh, sci-fi and fantasy fiction that I just like, oh, my God, not again. And to kind of use you know. another term for that, it's uh, yeah, it's a very much a lazy way to take the fridging option in order to give <laughs> yeah. motive to your characters. Women in refrigerators. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and that. So that like on a storytelling level, I'm just like just want that cliche to die because <laughs> it's been done so often and it's such a one-dimensional thing now mm-hmm. um so that's for me that would be my personal thing uh sean did you yeah really like, yeah sexual assault it's like that's all it is like vengeance that's- yeah it's a very simple thing it's a very one-dimensional thing and it's been done a lot and because and most people would be totally okay even in a game like i'm gonna there's a rapist i can kill that guy yeah i feel nothing yeah uh so it's 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 Kind of, and well, I mean, there's there, there are a lot of complex issues in there, but a lot of them, I think, like if you're investigating like the, the sexual crime, like then it gets like, oh, if it turns into he said she said, I'm like, oh, that would be a nightmare as a game master to run because then mm-hmm. it's about the player themselves, the biases, <coughs> and uh, you know, and especially if there's no satisfying conclusion, like you can never know what happened in the end. Like, oh god, that would just that would get too dark. Like, yeah. that's how it is like, in real life. Like, god, you never I, know. Like, it'd be like, God, I want to escape this game now. Yeah, and exactly. then it's like if we ever if we ever ran a game like that and it wound it found its way up on the AP thread, we could watch the comment section and implode on itself. <laughs> yeah, well, I never run games based on what I think the commenters are going to say. Like, if it's the quality of the game that I think about. Well, no, so, I was yeah, saying, yeah, like, yeah, with yeah. that kind of ending and that kind of thing, it was like, you know, there's obvious... Like, all that you had to go on, then, is the player's bias, not even the PC's bias. Yeah. It's like, that could turn into just a nightmare yeah. after the fact. Like, you know, for us in the comment section, but, you know, if for you and your personal table... You, that could be a good way to watch your table implode. True. Uh, yeah, people will take sides like they would in real life, or yeah. they would... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the kind of thing that could ugh, turn very ugly. Uh, are there any other kind of thing, topics? Uh, Sean? I was going to address something else. I'll just take a yeah, yeah. I was going to address something a little bit, a moment up. Uh, some cliches that they could die. I mean, there's... Remember, I'm just getting back into gaming. Sure. Recently, so I haven't really had a chance to get a lot of the... Nothing's really had a chance to start grading on me so far. Um, but I, oh, I can say, in, I know, some, in general entertainment, like, for I example, you. 
in general entertainment, a related one is for female character development. There's always the pregnancy angle, and it that's oh, like, it's, it's lazy writing to me. It, it really is. is. It's like your only value as a human being is through reproduction. Wow. Okay, so sort of an aside uh, <laughs> on the, you, you three, probably, or at least you, 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 uh, everybody with Tom's probably know what I'm referring to. Uh, on the group me, uh, one of the people in the group me, uh, Richard, has been w- posting every once in a while links to this D and D Facebook group that he has been like. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the general re- reactions of the yeah. table here, right? uh, oh. and he's just saying like every fourth or fifth topic is like my character got turned into a woman and is now pregnant. I don't know who the husband or who the father is. What, what are there game mechanics for this? And it's just who is doing that? Why? <laughs> my theory is that these are fetishists and they're just trying to like, oh man, this is just part of how they get their jollies. Because but or it could literally be like middle school kids who are running D&D like middle school kids or high school kids. I, I could only yeah. hope just and then they they get better information or grow out of it or something and this is well, not like one of them like, you know, what happens if you raise some like if you raise someone as an undead and then rape them? Like oh, is wow. it still rape? What? That, so, is that uh, part of that thing wow. too? Or? I don't I remember think, that. I just remember the pregnancy one. Yeah. Uh, like, but to kind of backtrack on I that. I think there was shape changing or polymorphine involved. So like no. I was polymorphed into an elf. Does that still ha- or that was a separate question. Like if I polymorph back to human, is that gonna affect the like oh my god like there's terror like so pregnancy as a stero- like as a yeah. hook is actually also another I mean it's something that can be I mean it's it's just overall the main topic is just lazy writing. Yeah. Um, as far as even even just for players even it applies because yeah. you have to do something more interesting with how you react to it. Are you just going to yeah. have your character flip out at having seen some monstrous horror or can you come up with a more interesting thing to do when yeah. you are flipping out as opposed to just I cry in the corner. I mean the thing is we're not like going like oh god you need to be, you know, politically correct or whatever all the time. It's about good storytelling. And the thing about all these stereotypes and clichés is that not only are they offensive to certain people and thus can alienate people at your table without you realizing it because you don't know what people are going to be offended by or pissed off by or what they're going to be affected by it on just ignoring all that it's bad storytelling (laughs) so to have the oh i am pregnant and you must blah 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 or uh oh i have been attacked and you must get revenge for me or i'm a yeah so but um the other thing i want to address was again or I'm what, crazy, so, therefore um, I am dangerous. Inside right. conversations, I'm getting also a feeling that, again, since I've just jumped back yeah. in, um, you got to have variety in your tone is a yeah. bigger thing to really address here. Because if every game session is grim, dark, you are lost, you will go mad, and you never have something a little more rewarding, then the fantasy, the whole fantasy just starts breaking down. Uh, that's a great. That's a great point. Even in Delta Green games, we have yeah. the vignettes, which are often treated more comedically. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. there's still the the foreshadowing of like, oh, this is going to end badly for these characters. But like, they're not like it's not hammered down all the time. Like there are lighter mm-hmm. parts. And, and, I, and I think. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, and uh, that's something else we kind of brought up too when we eventually did the final revelation post mortem is that yeah. ultimately, yeah, it can be entertaining for like one shot, but ultimately it is a one trick pony, and you can only do that with your group so many times, uh, at least once before any other time. It just gets tiring and yeah. repetitive. Yeah. And, it, and something else, like a topic, a game topic, I would never do oh, yeah. or go with was domestic violence. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I might be able to pull a game like that off, mechanically speaking, but I don't know if the players that I would. I, yeah, would enjoy I wouldn't. It. I wouldn't do it. 
Uh, yeah, no, like you have the you have the uh, experience in order to treat that right, I think. But right. yeah, that would be uh, domestic violence because then, like, okay, you break up the fight, you you uh, separate the partner who is being abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it's a woman necessarily. It could be, you know, there. Yeah, that's one thing about domestic violence. It could be either person, yeah. uh, and that's and not it's even not counting. Always physical violence. It's either. always yeah. it could be emotional. Uh, it could be a lot of things, and. The problem is then then that partner wants to go back to their abuser because that's often the dynamic from what I yeah. And it can how be. many times do you deal with that in game before yeah. you just go, you know what, forget this, I'm gonna go get drunk at a bar. Or I'm going to arrange the abuser's death in such a way that it looks like an accident. Yeah. Which is the player character thing to do. Right. Cut oh, his yeah. break lines. Uh but or, then again, it's also when we're talking about <laughs> having a variety of tone, like this is a good like these two topics kind of bridge together. It's just like, what do you what do you get out of the game? What kind of cathartic release are yeah. you getting out of the game? Are you going to get a cathartic release of be like taking a domestic abuser and cutting their brake lines and making it look like an accident? Oh, okay. Well, actually, this could be. I could see one scenario from that would be, which would be adding a supernatural element to be like, what if you could actually, what if you could fix the abuser through mind control? And then, like, you take away that person's free will, and suddenly they're the perfect romantic partner. But then, like, you've destroyed their free will. Is that a moral? That, there's a moral quandary for I you. I feel like that's been done. It's probably it been. It probably is where somebody was more. I mean, I know it's been husband. done in fiction. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I know that. That's a theme that comes up in the Dresden Files books a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That sounds right. Uh, from the little I've read, but yeah. So there you go. So like that. That's a moral quandary for you. Do you use? Do you take the supernatural ability to fix the problem by committing some other kind of crime, which is a very great dynamic for a story to, for you know role playing game or a story? But like that's a super dark area to go to, like, mm-hmm. and so you obviously you would have to tell the people that this is kind of give them the premise of the game before you would. Uh, uh, do that and again going back into what you have to be discreet you have to know your table that was the thing I was going to kind of concur with was that yeah. yeah just basically again going back to those old White Wolf books they, if you really actually read the storytelling content as opposed to just reading through the character creation stuff and saying I'm going to make this or I'm going to run this game yeah. they really do talk about discussing the theme the mood what kind of topics are being addressed? And yeah, I always liked that, but never. They also had it. warnings at the front page of every Black Dog book. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying so. Like in general, like most, a lot of game books do this now. Is where they, yeah. you'll eventually find some chapter where it goes. Make sure your group is cool that you're running this. Yeah, and let them know what they're in for. Yeah. So. Just uh, yeah. No, that's true. Uh, I mean, a lot of also is dealing with uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable stuff. Is you know, if the players are captured or enslaved or in some way, mm-hmm. or they're being mind controlled, then you really need to give them a heads because some players. Don't like the idea of their characters being compelled or being abused, and they can't fight back. Like, well, so what are you talking about? It's perfectly acceptable to roll persuade to <laughs> mind control player. Uh, well, no, I'm talking like, all right, your character's been captured. This entire session is you. You're just going to be being abused for two hours, and then you get your chance to escape. And then in the next session, there's a payoff where you can get revenge on your slavers or whatever. But this entire session, we have to build. We have to. Er, we have to build up to that, and then that. Would and be even the, still, to not spoil that to. You yeah, there we go. There's the challenge. Like, how There's the challenge. That? How do you get the players to sit through that initial two-hour session without telling them, oh, don't worry, they'll get theirs. Yeah. You just have to endure this first. Yeah. And, and I think it's important those in, in those cases where you're still 
give uh, taking away a little bit of the player's agency that you give them other options to other venues like gathering other information finding their escape route make it like the great escape right in their way before i mean for me instead of spoiling for the whole table you can talk to one player as an aside just be like hey look the focus is going to be you guys if you guys escape you'll get a chance to get back at these bastards so well i need you to be that cheerleader for that concept so the rest of the party will get that's an interesting way uh what i would do is i would just say you will start out as prisoners you will start or slaves or whatever you you will suffer but then you will escape you will definitely escape as long as you don't die during the attempt like it will be treated as a fight or whatever mm-hmm. uh but then after that it's up to you i'm not gonna like and so that's as far as i would go so like i would reassure players that yes there will be a definite opportunity for you to escape or die in the attempt uh and then go from there uh whether because for me the interesting thing is whether they do like try to go back to get revenge or they're like fuck this I want to live a, the best revenge is living a good life fuck this I want to get out you know right. like which is what you, the dilemma a lot of people are, uh, didn't you actually do that once I think uh, uh, it was a Forgotten Realms years uh, and years, years and years, and years yeah, ago yeah. I think that was that was a very brief thing like I yeah. didn't I, it wasn't I, like a two hour session yeah it wasn't still, two hour because like there are a lot of scenarios out there where you start as prisoners and slaves mm-hmm. and then like they go into great detail mm-hmm. about what abuses you suffer mm-hmm. and I'm like dude like, really like yeah, like like every Elder Scrolls game uh, or, well, I'm talking about role playing like mm-hmm. tabletop or games. like the basic premise of most uh, how most Dark Sun campaigns start yeah Dark Sun yeah, campaigns, yeah. Uh, so like uh, Tom how would you handle that situation like the, uh, in terms of running the prisoner, uh, I, it once again depends on the game whether they're starting as prisoners. Or whether yeah, starting as prisoners, and they, they the idea is they they. Escape. I would just kind of like in this. I would just kind of take like I would start with just like take them first, take them through a typical day. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you know, just so you're just putting them in the scenario. No, yeah. no warning. Just like go. Well, I tell them, like you're going to start as prisoners. Okay. And basically, I would start you know like just giving them what you basic day, and then. I would start their actual, uh, you know, decision making in the game, and on this day something's different. Okay. Um, well, he kind of did that a little bit uh, with, well, Shang- with well and Shanghai. and Shanghai. Although oh, yeah. I, I with the well, there we go. This is like the perfect kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of a disagreement, like because uh, <laughs> in that scenario, the whole premise is that we were Shanghai, but and so like I was like, oh well, this sucks for my character. Because it starts the game, we get drunk, we pass out, we wake up on the ship. And I'm like, but as a player, like I know this is what's happening. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, whatever. I and then, but Aaron, you were not on board with this. No, no, I was not. So that actually. <laughs> so this is kind of like talking about this, how to deal with sensitive issues. So yeah, true. So and not and not and I would say not to the, it was not to the most severe level. Um, no, because uh, ultimately, yeah, we it was weren't just, whipped or tortured or anything. Yeah, it, and everything really spurned from the, my argument of. If they're looking for sailors, why would they take a geologist in a suit? But um, well, the, but thing, uh, the thing is, uh, you don't, you don't have to need to have any special training to learn how to tie knots and scrub a deck. And yeah. scrub deck. You have you you could walk and talk. That was literally their qualifications. <laughs> yeah. I you were relatively young and healthy. Yeah, because my I, um, and my reasoning was I had more money, so you could probably go higher off a sailor from them. But they can Shanghai no, and no, it destroyed the, the, the premise. No, the, well, the whole reason they there was they were Shanghai is all the able-bodied sailors were out looking for gold. Yeah. So. so there was a labor shortage. So like that was that was the historical premise of the game. Like that's happened in reality. Yes. So. But you didn't sign on for that, and that led to friction in the game. So I guess that's the last thing we should talk about. Is like this: you, you do this, you have a sensitive issue, uh, and you put it in the game, and then there's a pushback from the table. 
you know, mm-hmm. like either someone's rejecting the premise of the game or someone's just clearly out of it. He's just like, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, or whatever. You know, you know, there's different. What's w- going on on Facebook? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's differing degrees of that. There's like. I'm doing my typical thing or like, oh God, I don't want to be involved in this, you know, and I can't say, I don't want to just walk away from the table. So like, how do you, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways players show that they're not on board with a game. Um, Because as much as we want to talk about the idea that, you know, we're all rational adults and we can make decisions for ourselves about whether or not it's offensive and choose whether or not to participate in this activity. Yeah. No, if you're the type of person that's going to be bothered by that subject matter, you may not have the words of voice or the ability to defend yourself in that way. Exactly. That's part of the reason why people who are victims tend to continue being victims. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's part of the reason, but that's the effect. Like, that's, you know, people who are victims of one type of crime tend to be victims of other types of crimes because they can't rationalize or know how to protect themselves. Right. Yeah, and that's not saying, and that's not a moral judgment. It should no, say. it's that's not. A, it's no. not a moral judgment. That's just a thing that is. It's, and it's that's all yeah. I mean, reason. we should be very clear. We're not saying that those people deserve any of that. It's that right. they, uh, you know, lack the ability to defend themselves in game terms, it, or know or how. You, or you, yeah, I don't want to stereotype too much, but you know, gamers are not notorious for being high-minded and socially adept right. at every situation. Right. We're not extroverted life of the right. parties, usually. No. So Obviously, obviously we're not. We're general. In a group situation, somebody who feels like put upon in that way might just not want to disappoint the group exactly. or somebody else yeah. there. And yeah. They just didn't want to open their mouth about it, but then afterwards they'll say something. Yeah, or they so. stop coming to the table. Right. They just don't. That's their way of like rejecting yeah. it. Or it's they like, stop. oh, inter- I'm busy. Or they stop interacting altogether if they still do come, if that it, they just shut down during any kind of conflict in the yeah. game. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of passive-aggressive type of things that they can do. I wouldn't know if that's passive-aggressive, but I think that's just not knowing how to handle it. Yeah. Well, okay, there's there's different levels. Yeah. There definitely are ways that they could show up passive-aggressively. So yeah. Like, uh, so, the, so how do you deal with that as a game master, like when that kind of thing shows up? I think that's just like you would handle any other time when you're dealing with a player who's not engaged with your story, just being like, hey, yeah. um, how does... How what did you how did you feel about that scenario? How do you feel about the campaign? How do you feel about the character? And this is one on one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one on one. Or you know, like Ross, you're really good about saying questions, comments, suggestions, and you yeah. take the criticism. You don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah. I try to I try mm-hmm. to do that every game, specifically so like as a prompt so people will, will speak up. Right. Uh, yeah, you I have w- to disassociate with criticism. Uh, yeah, uh, but. Like, during the game table, like, obviously you can do some damage control during the game, not just after or in between games. So, uh, well, I mean, uh, Yeah, for most of the time you can, but if the damage is being done because the premise of your game is I'm dealing with this controversial topic, yeah. that's going to be really hard to manage. So what would we do in that scenario? Uh, well, one thing is I kind of, like, start... So- I know what I would do if I if I notice there's pushback on the players on certain element. And it's not necessarily a sense of issue. It's like some sort of game element like I'm getting real crazy with the Carcosa stuff and like and the players are like oh god okay maybe it's not Carcosa ah, <laughs> we're not falling for it Peyton uh, I start soft I know I, I've soft pedaled or back pedaled on certain things or like soft push it like I put it out there but I don't really emphasize it uh, so because yeah. I'd like to also because we're going back to the topic what, yeah. what shirt are you wearing today by the way uh, it is a Carcosa shirt from Cthulhu Wars I don't see what that has to do with anything uh, <laughs> we'll just it's leave just it at a that. great t-shirt alright <laughs> well and to be honest like, and sometimes I can lead to something great like 
shark fight. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think yeah. that was a, a, an example of showing how this can be dealt as a negotiation mm. in game. Like, Aaron tried to essentially negate the premise or like. Uh, Pacifist resistance, uh, essentially. Yeah, because uh, I, I, civil disobedience. That's it. That, that's the better way of that because I didn't. Uh, I my I put it in there like my character, but it was me. Uh, I was. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was you. Yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> you can't use my character. We <laughs> talked about this in other episodes. Yeah. You cannot yeah. use my you character. Well, I, I try to make clear that yeah, there's no more isolated a person than being at sea yeah. in like the 19th century. Um, True, but it was just using the uh, the other. Uh, my other skills that I on the page to try to at least buy my passage before it just came to shark punch. Well, right, right. Well, what happened was it was a series negotiation. It was a tier thing. First, you tried this, and Tom, you didn't just like shut it down and like that. Was to your credit, Tom, you didn't just say no. Your character does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck it. We're doing this. This is the premise we're of the doing game. Doing it live. I'm negating your agency. Uh, so you allowed Aaron to have his agency as a player and to get his point across that he was really fighting this as hard as he could. Uh, and then I, of course. Not necessarily being the best or the worst person uh, in the scenario, <laughs> was like, why don't you just go kill a shark? And you're like, fine. And, and I like, I can't believe you're doing this, but okay. But no, that was the way Aaron's like, my char- I can't use this character anymore. Let me kill him off so I can get a character who would agree with the premise of the game. That's how I'm rationalizing it now. It, yeah, well, that's how uh, we rationalize So it worked out for the best because you did pick a character who was And you got some awesome artwork yeah, for it. got some awesome artwork. We got some awesome artwork, so I, I, that, that came but out But that's kind of in the and future. Also, the crew will never forget that. Well, they're all dead. You well, they're, it's like, well... Most of them are dead. Most of them are dead. Uh, but we're those lo- that didn't have a lot of McDuck's worth of gold. Yes, right? double gold. Double gold. Uh, so, but that's how you do it. I think as a negotiation in the game, just see, like, talk to the player, see, find, figure out what their issue with it is if you can during the game. Whether it's just like the premise, uh, see if they can resolve it in character, uh, and then like definitely the major thing though is in between games, talk to that person, find out what it is, <coughs> and make amends. You know, uh, either say, well, this game isn't for you. We'll we'll do something else later on, or I'll change this so it's not like this. Uh, you know, it, it, there's so many ways that people could reject a prim- game that we can't really give you advice on how to do that. So, uh, yeah, not without specifics. Yeah, not without specifics. So in the comments, yeah, uh, if, you, if you have specific issues or types of issues that have shown up in your games before, like this player always hates this, I always want to do this type of issue, like he just hates the idea of being a prisoner or he hates the idea of or he always wants to do this problematic thing he always like is the character who uh you know i don't know i can't even think of him. or he's a he wants to be a violent crazy person you know he wants to be a fish mouth and i'm tired of fish mouths because it doesn't make any sense and how do i deal with him uh so yeah players can bring up problematic stuff too like so. always being a neurotic foul-mouthed jerk uh <laughs> <laughs> no, that's murder hobos. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we do. That is a standard, sir. It is a standard. <laughs> it's a gold um, standard. So yeah, when a player wants to be problematic, that's an that's an entirely we've different thing. Talk, we've I, I yeah. know we've talked about how to deal with problematic players. Yeah, but we'll, but if you have comments, questions, or things, in the, we'll answer uh, them. Post them in the comments. We'll, we'll reply to them in there, mm-hmm. uh, possibly in the next episode as well, if, depending on how much of material we get out. I, mean, I really would like for at some point to get Caleb's input on this type of issue. Sure. I mean. Uh, juncture. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll probably do a post post mortem for uh, Delta Green God's Teeth at some point, uh, so we can definitely talk to him about that then. Uh, but certainly before then too. Uh, next time we have this, he was just unavailable today because right. you know finals right. and all that. Yeah. 
Uh, so I think we've hit a lot, a lot of stuff. Is there anything, any final words on this topic you guys want to talk about? Uh, um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be more things to talk about. And I know yeah. at some point, like Melissa and I need to sit down and actually talk about mental health issues and RPGs and be able to do that as a, like a side bonus thing that we've talked about doing before. Yeah, that would but, be great. Uh, yeah, having the input of mental health professionals on mental health and games would be good. Because uh, I think like the new Delta Green does it well. Like temporary insanity is like you shut your rational mind shuts down, so it's an emotional response: fight, flight, or catatonia. And mm-hmm. then like you develop. I mean. They develop long-term traumas uh, based on their exposure, like PTSD or things like that. But you, you have some control. It's supposed to make sense, you know. Like you go, you lose enough sanity in a burning building. Oh, you have pyrophobia now, you know. So, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's meant to be logical. It's not to be like you roll on a table and you get, you know. It's just, yeah, it's get, I was trapped in a burning building and now I'm a necrophiliac. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's not supposed to be that. Uh, I mean, I'll, there, Lord there knows might be I'm a way as to how there's a logical. Well, if you if you think of like one thing that Delta Green is is like uh, it's, it's out there, right? Well, Delta Green is also trying to emphasize the Cthulhu mythos as a as a mental cancer. It does screw you up, not just on a mental level, but on a physical level. Like you, you there. I've read Delta Green stories. They're like, yeah, we went on this op and. My arm falls off every fall, and then it regrows in the spring. I don't know why. It just does. <coughs> so <laughs> there's just, like, weird shit like that. So, uh, But anyways, um, when we get back, we'll have shout-outs and anecdotes. Yay! We're back. I'm not sure what music I'm going to choose. It may not even be Vaporwave. But oh, that's a lion. You know it. Uh, it might be Future Funk, but maybe not now if you're going to give me that kind of sass. Uh, Fine. So that's right. Watch the sass, Captain uh, Sassy Pants. Yeah, it might be anime t-shirts by Groovy Godzilla. And I know you're still threatening. Are you still threatening to change my user ID without me knowing? Or? Uh, maybe. I don't Put know. Put in some chap hop. Put in some chap hop. Uh, I have to find Creative Commons license chap hop. So if oh, I can, okay. Well, if I can, I will. There might be. Chap, oh, chap gra- hop artists would do Or that. some Gregorian chanting. That I, Creative Commons licensed. Yeah, or yeah. public domain. Maybe it's, public domain. Recording chance so old, it's, it's got to be creative. Content. Well, it's the recording of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the yeah. the copyright applies to the recording. Um, which is, yeah. But yeah, yeah, copyright. Macross, that's like 82 to 94? Uh, I don't think that is. Uh, Creative Commons license. Yeah. Aaron, wow. you're just using words now. <laughs> that, that is a feature. Uh, we should talk group. about. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I'm aware of that. Uh, so. We should talk about shoutouts. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, I have one from Japan. Uh, this is, but this is not Future Funk. Uh, this is actually a manga I read uh, called Showa, uh, 1944 to 1953. This is the second volume in a history of modern Japan uh, written by a uh, one of the legends of uh, manga who just died recently in age 93, uh, Shigeru uh, Mizuki. Uh, I think that's his name. Uh, but anyways, he lived through World War II. He was a soldier in World War II. He was drafted. Uh, and basically, from, and this is this is a history of Japan as a nation and of his family and himself. Uh, so it alternates between like what's going on in the big picture and what's going on uh, in uh, Shigeru's uh, life. And it's brilliant. It's like the volume. It's like phone book thickness. It's a very thick uh, uh, thing. But obviously, as a manga, it's a pretty quick read. Uh, and it's very interesting because he goes into what the Jap- people of Japan were thinking and talking about when hmm. this is going on. 
Uh, we kind of think of Japan as like, oh, Tojo and the imperialism, you know, them just conquering and uh, hating America and stuff like that. But, you know, he goes into the internal domestic politics of Japan and they were, it was actually more complex and nuanced uh, than what you would think in the history books. For example, uh, the prime minister of Japan in uh, 1940 or 1941, uh, uh, Kone, uh, he... Actually, considered he and some of other politicians considered uh, switching sides from Germany because Germany was actually not being that great of an ally to Japan. They didn't even give him a heads up when they invaded Poland, for example. Uh, I believe they 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 were kind of like Meh, keeping them at arm's distance. Uh, and they oh they changed their mind about allying with the Soviets. They're like oh hey Japan, we'll we hate those Soviets. Let's ally and we'll we'll defend each other from the Soviets. And then you know Hitler side allies with the the Soviets and then breaks it. And so like Japan's kind of pit- miffed at them and they're looking to the United States and a lot of them can read between the lines. They're like logistically we can never win against the United States. Let's just you know uh why do we switch sides and ally with the americans but the sticking point was they actually negotiated they tried to negotiate with the americans before pearl harbor the problem was that the americans didn't want to recognize any of japan's conquests in asia uh the whole you know all those massacres in china and other thing kind of a sticking point and uh but then these were still going on when it was revealed that a senior advisor in uh, kone's administration (coughs) was a Soviet spy. And uh, this uh, uh, informant working for this guy uh, posing as a German journalist uh, named Richard uh, Sorge. Uh, And this became a scandal that basically undid the... This gave uh, Tojo the justification to take over the entire government. Uh, So you can imagine some sort of alternate history where that didn't happen. And instead they switched sides. I mean, imagine that if they're like... America's like, yeah, okay, we'll let you have this... And you can, but then help us go fight the uh, the the, uh, the Germans or whatever. And so, yeah, Nazis. Would, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, that would actually be pretty fascinating to see if Which we sees? got if we came to the future where oh, MacArthur oh, really okay. didn't bring a lot of the Western oh, aspects, uh, it forced a lot of the Western aspects into Japan, exactly. and, then, and then we st- may still have had the imperial system Nazis. up. Nazis. Yeah, um, exactly. It's 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 it's. I never heard about this possible al- alliance <laughs> with America. Uh, because you, Admiral Yamato was like, yeah, I'll win against America for the first six, 12 months, and then <laughs> I'll lose because we'll run out of stuff. We'll run out of ships. We'll run out of oil. They have all of it. We don't have any. Uh, yeah, so... Um, and I would say at least for kind of wartimes, uh, wartime, uh, current... Um media with wartime would you say it's good about showing the average day of life of yeah, the japanese yeah, yeah. kind of like the wind rises like, did a little bit oh yeah yeah no it does because like it's uh, they talk about his family life and like how they were just everything gets rationed uh the father's always scamming to make more money uh there it's just it goes into yeah like what they what the average person thought what they were told to think and what they really thought I mean yeah it's a, it's a fascinating look so anyways it's a really good book it's the second volume out of four uh, I've already ordered the third one uh, so yeah anyways um, let's see here uh, I know all you guys are all up in a video game what's up with that oh yeah so Dan and I uh, well well okay uh, me and my eternal quest to be amused um, <laughs> I was first, trying hashtag first rule problems yeah I know right uh, I like playing MMOs I know oh god Skinner boxing blah 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 whatever shut up um, let me enjoy my life as I see fit um, 
Fair enough. I was trying to get people to play WoW with me, and that that met to varying degrees of success. Um, but apparently, in because you know the group me chat for Gen Con general chat is still going strong. Yeah. When we're at the halfway point between last Gen yeah. Con and next Gen Con. Hey, we love you guys. Keep it rolling. I know, right? It's great. It's a great way to pass time at work. Um, but we got talking about nostalgia over Final Fantasy fourteen. And then somebody finally got Aaron to decide that he could give it a try. And so now we started our own free company on the Cactar server. And it is called Mistakes Were Made. Uh, perfect. Uh, and I will put a link up in the show notes uh, to a link to the thread on the forums that will have right. this information. Mm-hmm. So if you are if you play Final Fantasy fourteen, you can go hang out with uh, Dan and Aaron and... Uh, some of the other are uh, some RBPR listeners. Uh, yeah, uh, just to, and you will be entertained. Yeah, to bring on there because we have Cat and uh, Richard and who else? people who have never Kyle. been on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, all right, yeah. But we know them by first name because we interact because they because they went to they had, they yeah, had the luxury and, of time and uh, to and pro- what what race are you playing? What's the name? Uh, I forget. Okay, yeah, I, I forget the name of mine. It's basically right. the Hobbit You're race. You're a Lollafell. You're a potato. Lollafell uh, potato. Uh, Tom, oh, you have one? I do. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it reminded me going back to what you were talking about. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's a movie that I uh, watched just uh, about a couple weeks ago, The Yamato. Uh, okay. And, well, the ja- I think the literal Japanese translation for the title is, like, the men's Yamato. Yeah. It is a bit about, like, a... A, a kid, uh, cadet, join, you know, joining the, the Yamato crew in like 1942. And it's about his career up until Operation Tengo. Yeah. And they do not. It's, I, it's, I think it's, it's interesting showing like discipline among the Japanese Navy. Yeah, it's uh, where caning is commonplace. Yeah. That's mentioned in the manga too. A lot of physical violence, just beating the shit out of. Though it was like you know, like, but it also shows you know that there's also limits. You know, like one guy, you know, he's accepting his punishment. Yeah. But then the guy hits him and like hits a bone, and the guy suddenly whirls around this officer and like swearing, "I'm like, you hit a bone, you son of a bitch!" And then yeah. punches his officer in the face, and yeah. the higher officer is like, "Yeah, he shouldn't have hit you in the bone. That's not the yeah. discipline." <laughs> but yeah, it's also not. It does not shy away from showing. What happens during a full air attack on the battleship with no air cover? Ooh, that's bad. Yeah, uh, sounds fascinating. When was it made? Uh, it's like two thousand. I want to say like two thousand eight. Oh, very recent. Mm. Recent. Okay. Yeah, I, it was shortly after the wreck was found. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so, and speaking of uh, Japanese things, uh, Dan, you mentioned an anime that you. Uh, yeah, um, in one of my late night gaming binges, um, my second screen was running Netflix, and I was watching Seven Deadly Sins, and David has watched it as well, and we've talked about it. Essentially, the way the characters behave is pretty much as if RPPR sat down and did a fantasy anime style. Game. <coughs> Like, there's a very serious plot. We're all super badass at what we do when it comes time to fight. But in between things, it's just a bunch of zany bullshit. Zany (laughs) bullshit. Great tagline. Uh, Zany bullshit, side table talks, things that aren't relevant to the discussion. Yeah. It's it's all good. I, I enjoyed it. It was... Apparently, David did more research into it and found out more things through the manga. Which, you know, uh, effort. So... Uh. Uh yeah and um I mean, one there's one more Japanese thing sorry uh one <laughs> punch- why should we be sorry about that all right fair enough uh one punch man uh, I've already mentioned the manga yeah. on the uh, previous episode 
but now there's an anime out, and they're up to episode 11 or 12 or something like that. And it's amazing, and you should watch it. It's beautiful. It is the it is the only anime. If you had to watch one anime in your entire life, this would be that anime. Because it's I, I all agree. of anime in one series. But it's, it, it. it is blatantly... Uh, riffing on every single trope that it ever existed. Beautiful and perfect, and <laughs> you will not disparage. Uh, but Aaron, you the, there's another movie you watched that yeah you really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, uh, well, it was part of our movie night, and I've, I've been looking forward to this called uh, Blood Sucking Bastards. And uh, to me, this is kind of what Shaun of the Dead was to zombie films. So, um, but for vampires, but for vampires. So uh, the entire premise is that it takes place in one. Uh, office building so it, it's very much kind of a bottle uh movie uh, have, uh well a bottle i mean a bottle episode is for tv shows and that's like literally one set there's more than one set. There, yeah there's more than one set but it's just the office building and i think we see maybe one of the other characters it's a very low budget movie. but low budget uh but it follows the uh adventures of one of the office drones who is going through his normal trials and tribulations at work just trying to deal with his loser best friend his girlfriend who may or may best not best friends there's best two friends. of them oh yeah his best friends God. Uh, the jerks in the office and one of his rivals ends up coming in supplanting his job and they and this is a spoiler but it's pretty much set by the trailer um, yeah. That uh, he uh, that this uh, guy is a vampire and he starts turning everybody. Yeah. So and it's wonderful shenanigans gory. ensue. Yeah, wonderfully gory, um, wonderful on all turns, and it has one of the best twists I've seen in in this kind of movie in a while. Don't, so. Yeah, don't mention anything. Uh, so, uh, no, that's a, uh, like in terms of yeah, office humor, office space meets yeah, the Lost Boys. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's a good example. Uh, of that. What? Yeah. Yes. Well, you haven't seen it, Dan. Oh man, it's really good. It's really entertaining, you and it's pretty like, short watch too. So it's yeah, not. It doesn't. That's, okay. a, that's actually one of the best compliments. It's, it's not rubber, all right? Okay? It actually yeah, has I, a lot. I'm just going to internally not trust your recommendations on <laughs> Well, and that's actually all a right. big compliment I can give I to I wasn't even one. in the continent when they, guy, they suggested that, all <laughs> well, right? No. But you still suggested it and thought it was great, well, Ross. I well, not, do think it is because it is great. It is. Anyway. Uh, well, not getting on that com- yeah. that. Uh, argument but another compliment i can give to the movie is that it actually is very tightly paced and it does not feel like it lags at all at any place so yeah. uh yeah it was great mm-hmm. um uh, i would also like to brief shout outs uh they don't really need your help but i would like to give a shout out to mystery sense theater 3000 kickstarter they raised enough money most funded crowdfunded video project ever uh they beat veronica mars they beat veronica mars take that veronica mars <laughs> and uh so there'll be 14 episodes or something like yes. that uh, they've uh, with the Kickstarter contributions and the add-on contributions, they yeah. managed to get over six million dollars. Yeah, so it'd be like fourteen. Yep, yeah. and so that that funded got everything. A great cast: uh, Pat Oswalt, Felicia Day, uh, the comedians. I can't remember their names, but they're going. They're, they look very funny. I've seen some of their stuff, like Paul Tompkin as the new. Guy, <coughs> uh, I think no, no, it's uh, one of the other guys from either. I, I think he's from College Humor. I could be wrong. I need to yeah. look him up. But the, yeah, the two we have two new voices for Crow it's and a Servo. New cast, yeah. Which I love, and uh, they're trying to get a lot of people to write for, like Dan Harmon and Justin Rowland. Yeah, expressed Dan Harmon, Justin Rowland, they're expressing interest in bringing everybody from the old cast back to do stuff. Because uh, Joel specifically said that they um, there was they hoped to, at some points to have stories where um, either he or Mike comes back in for a little bit, uh, or somehow the the bots old person old voices start rebooting into themselves at random. So. Uh, no, it was a great, and they did have a stream going on for the last couple hours, which apparently suffered some technical issues from what I heard. It was totally like public access, 
doing a telethon, like local public access, like like even lower budget than like Weird Al and UA. I know, and, and the magicians. And I so thought it was so bad. But I was, mean, it was so funny. It was great though. Though that that actually embodies the spirit of MST3K. That you're just kind of going with the low budget approach of it yeah. to have fun, and and it really works. And I, I welcome the return of one of my childhood, best childhood memories and to the next generation. Uh, and speaking of MST3K, something that would be MST3K worthy would be a movie we also saw uh, that I enjoyed called Radioactive Dreams. Wow. Because uh, <laughs> it's basically Fallout the movie, uh, May 1985. It was actually directed by Albert uh, uh, Pignon, uh, who is the guy who directed uh, Cyborg and Nemesis, among other things. That we are, you, are you surprised? Uh, no. I'm not. I'm kind of wish I did. Uh, so it's about two kids who get locked into a fallout shelter, uh, only uh, armed only with uh, books on magic, dancing from the 40s, and Raymond Chandler and detective novels. Yeah, and so they bust out into the post-nuclear wasteland wanting to be private eyes, and they talk like they're from the 40s. And it's just... There's a pit boy in it. There's like mutants. There's oh my raiders. There's a errant yeah. nuclear missile. Themed gangs for every imaginable subculture stereotype in the eighties. Yes, and super music, super new wave soundtrack, uh, like a ridiculous. And speaking of the music, uh, yeah. the, the the Pat Benatar lookalike yeah. that they had there. I'm not convinced that the, the Kmart Pat Benatar. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, whomever you are. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm completely convinced that at least a third of that movie was set only for her music video that they could splice yeah, she into likes later. Paid for half the budget, like oh, super low budget. Yeah, because in between the action scenes in this in the middle of the movie, they are just switching back to her, and she is just mugging like hell every oh, single no, time. Vamp, vamp harder for the camera. Uh, so yeah, it's on YouTube now, like the full movie, and yeah, it's just like a ridiculous premise for a movie. It's a thing. It's a thing that exists, and we watched it. And uh, speaking of that, I don't know if we mentioned this podcast before, but Polygon. Uh, does a series called Monster Factory. Uh, they've, they've done. Uh, they're doing a thing for Fallout Four. I I'll link to it. Just watch it. Don't. I don't want spoiling it. Would be too much. It's just a beautiful. We're not going to even tell them the premise of the show. Oh no, or? no, okay. No, just just so. watch it. So because uh, it's amazing and beautiful. Uh, just like the character they create for Fallout Four. So uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, can we at least uh, say the name of this character? No. Oh no, that's a big reveal because that, that yeah, that's like ten minutes in the first episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, anecdotes. Uh, Dan, I know you have been running Dresden Files. And I do want to mention, uh, I'm still finalizing plans for the podcast site. Where I'm going to be changing the podcast schedule uh, for next year. I haven't finalized the plans yet, but uh, we will definitely be posting Dresden Files but next year. But we're also afraid of change. What? Oh, I'm you're, I'm afraid we fear of change. change. We fear change. Yeah, you got to before me. <laughs> Don't go full grognard on me. Never go full grognard. Uh, game design has, has improved since the 80s, believe it or not. Okay. No, it hasn't. Oh, God. No. It's too late. <laughs> Symbiote is king. No. That's no, even worse. It's not true. Every few decades, uh, Symbiote rises Someone rub the basic D&D set on him. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> GURPS. Uh, Gygax is actually okay. Gygax okay. used to do that, and he's dead now. There's nobody to protect us. Uh, so, anyway, tell us a little bit about the Dresden Files. Well, um, I have enjoyed running this campaign because it's one of those. The way I, I probably took some liberties with how it was designed and just kind of ran with it. Uh, sure. 
it's one of those campaigns that I've got a basic framework of notes of things that I want to happen in the campaign and things that I know is going on in the city and the meta plot at large. But a lot of the time it's just like, I throw a few hooks out there, you guys bite on them and then hilarity ensues and I just respond. So it's been pretty great. Yeah. Last episode in particular. Uh, I've enjoyed mispronouncing everything that has a proper title. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, Sean's in the game now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun because we have two groups for it. And I think we mentioned this before on the podcast, but like, um, it's been where we've actually had character development for yeah. the characters. Um, the thing that I enjoyed the most, and I think part of the reason why this campaign is going as well as it is, it has to do with the fact that I took the character creation part of you know whose paths have you crossed who else's paths have you crossed yeah and your first adventure stuff and i made everybody vignette their way through meeting each other if it weren't for that then there probably wouldn't be nearly as much character cohesion yeah and even doing it in massive sessions and having cross-pollination from one group to the other helps define the central story in a way that doesn't override what each table is doing yeah um, yeah, I just, I immensely enjoyed that, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel so far that at least the first leg of the campaign was a success. Yeah, we have, we have finished an entire season, uh, tier, uh, chapter, whatever you want to call it, of the campaign, so we're on the second one. Yeah. And, and uh, second, yeah. we've done, like, maybe one or two episodes on each team, and then yeah. I was like, I no. do science! Yeah. And holidays are happening. Let's not fight holiday schedules and just yeah. resume it back in January. Happy contribution. No, we got a lot of here, and, and I can at least say for one that um, as somebody who come, who came in with minimal knowledge of the Dresden universe, I honestly ended up enjoying it far more than I thought I would. Yeah. Um. And and I am reading the books you have I enjoyed it upon as, me exactly as much as I thought I would, which is a ton. Yeah. So well, I had faith in your abilities, Dan. Ross, you had faith. in Unlike your some people, yeah. you that's had faith abil- in your character concept. That, that's ability. Anything else? Okay. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> and you suggested it to me. I'm like, yeah, done. So I'm um, in. I'm in. Although <laughs> I, I am digging. Ha- you've hit gold. I, I will do whatever in, in this game. Although I'm looking, Slender Boy. I'm absolutely looking forward to one thing when you do get this setting up. Not yeah. spelling anything. Just there's a moment where both Dan, uh, sorry, Bill and David were just going, no, 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 no. So Ross that, wasn't here for that. He yeah. wasn't here for that. So when it comes up, <laughs> what a country! Yeah, I was gonna say. I was, I, Dresden <laughs> oh God, oh. that's another thing. Yeah, I, so, I feel really good about. Getting the, for that particular reference, Tom, I feel very good about pulling that story together on the fly. That was yes. I, I had a lot yes. of fun with that episode. That was going to be that's. A good I'm going to say nothing more than that. Uh, yeah, so just to get, give so, you your previews. Uh, in other in other anecdotal uh, news, uh, we I've also run another session of Monster of the Week, Taos, New Mexico, uh, Tartar Sink, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> Sean, you're very you're very sh- happy. I love this system. <laughs> um, it's very, it's extremely character centric. Um, I'm going to say it again, Aaron. <laughs> the man with the van. Uh, as as you chose your character concept, Aaron. You literally have no one else to blame. It's awesome. It's cool. No, 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 no. I am not to blame for Aaron's nicknames. Uh, but you set that nickname up. But, but they're the, fun. You okay. choose the character. 
a male character with a van. Therefore, he's you are, not wrong, and he's the leader of the group, ostensibly. Because um, so he the, has the wheels. Yes, and he's got an organization. Yeah, and he gives us money. And, an organization know. that really doesn't like me. Wait, has someone spray painted free candy on the side of this van yet? Uh, not yet. Not, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Fail one of those rolls or get a complication. Complicated rolls are the best rolls. We all. have so you painted just, the van. Yeah, <laughs> you, but see, you're just waiting for the moment where I'll run out of luck. So you, uh, you're yes, for that and by the rules, round. you don't get it back ever. <laughs> I still have luck. <laughs> yeah, you you all have luck. Oh, Winkle's got more than. Oh, that, that, you have like one Hinkle. point left, right? Yes, no, no, that's Hinkle. Point. Sorry, Hinkle's got more luck than anybody else in the group. So yeah, <laughs> I live. Yeah, so that's going to be an amazing uh, uh, game when that happens. Uh, oh yeah, it'll be on. Uh, well, I, so, I know what I need to save it to work technically after this. But last I ran game. another scenario. Uh, it was a different one. It was a darker one. It was not quite as goofy as the Dreamlands one. Uh, you guys had fun with it. We still, no, we, did, we, so. we still made it. It was more investigative. Yeah. Well, that's the premise. Yeah, the game. Because it's like Monster of the Week tries to make it emphasize that it's about the characters. Like they, yeah, they have to investigate this thing, but. It's how they deal with it. So, you know, it's, again, like shows like X-Files and Fringe. It's about Sculler and Mold, uh, or, or Scully and Mulder, blah. And mm-hmm. not necessarily the, the fluke man or whatever. That yeah, so, yeah. yeah, and this yeah. one, um, I honestly felt like this was less the our, our Buffy episode versus uh, it was more like one of the darker X-Files or yeah. Fringe episodes. Uh, and I don't want to, uh, I know what art I'm going to be using for that episode, but uh, I, I don't want to reveal it yet because... That would be too much. Uh, uh, the, I'm not, uh, not again not revealing, but if you do reveal you the inspiration behind it later oh, on, yeah, 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 it's actually pretty cool. I like the idea yeah. of, do, of doing that for inspiration. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so everything in the that monster of the week campaign, I have to say, is going to be based on, going to be inspired by a thing. So, like the first episode was inspired by that. The, the actually it's like a series of articles in newspapers from 1904, uh, good stories for children. And so the second episode will be inspired by another thing. <sighs> so, uh, and of course, finally. Tom, uh, you recently interviewed uh, a game designer about a game. Uh, Ixun Draconis. Uh, here be dragons. Uh, so. I, he, he instructed me on the correct way to pronounce okay. it. Okay, uh, furries in space. Got it. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Furry okay. close face. Uh, yeah, Sean's been do a dying to do well, this. Yeah. Do, do we need this? We do a countdown? Yeah, no, no, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Furries in space! those levels yeah. that would be fit to be fair there is a lot more uh, we're trying to, it, to be careful yeah. uh, no, there's a lot more to it but it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. all right see we're not wrong uh-huh. and we've run two sessions of it or you've run two sessions i have of it. and uh any particular highlights you like from the game so far that you want to uh, tease the listeners with i don't know but, uh just one thing i'd say i was loving all the the interaction of the characters it's does half my work for me right there because <laughs> yeah. like just you yeah isn't you, that great it yeah. is great <laughs> uh character focused games are very uh entertaining like, uh, or just calmly all deciding like yeah we're gonna gas an apartment block okay uh no okay to be fair <laughs> you basically <laughs> to be fair we got railroaded you you yeah i would say railroaded but you may like you could do it the hard way, or like, here's this guy who can help you gas the thing. Here's the guy who will pay for it. The gassing's the easy solution. Water rolls downhill, go gas them. All right, we'll go. Yeah, yeah it's a lot easier. You have Nerf guns. Here's some gas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they're, they're- actually, to be fair, I in the interview I discovered that why combat seemed to be uh, not quite as deadly as we thought. Like, oh, because I. As I equip them just as normal people on the street, they're all using the weakest weapons. That's why... The Nerf guns. Yeah. <laughs> so that's totally going to change. Okay. 
Uh, fair enough. So we get something outside of the Nerf Assault Max. Uh, yeah, but um, also, I. Uh, do you guys at least have Nerf nukes? <laughs> like, we and then just then make the ultimate decision. <laughs> but yeah, um, I also either, I either enjoy, like, I gave each character a, a, a secret card. Like, this is like a backstory for your character. Yeah. I was really w- couldn't wait for that reveal. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting way to tie things in. Yeah, yeah. it was a good. It was a good gimmick. Uh, I like it uh, as a way. I wouldn't do it for every game. But no, no. But this, this one worked. worked. I, I've done two sessions of it thus far. I think I'm learning more of the system each time I sure. run it, and I've got two more planned for it. It's def. It's got a definite endpoint. Great. Uh, yeah. And um, also, uh, a review cultist will be doing uh, the some artwork, arts. some uh, arts for it. All right, so we'll have pretty little pictures for it. Uh, you will have such glorious little pictures. <laughs> they are beautiful. <laughs> uh, so that's stuff to look forward to uh, probably next year because uh, we <clears throat> backlog. Uh, but I mean, we're taking steps to alleviate the backlog by p- getting out more games, more APs. You realize that the more APs you put out means the more gaming we have to do, Ross. Not that we have been doing quite, we've been doing more gaming than posting in terms of like, like that. I am trying to. Well, I don't know. It, that's part of the reason why I haven't finalized the plans yet. Is the the whole thing? So I mean, we have to, you know, be able to at least keep pace. We need to at least yeah. game for as many sessions as you're posting every week. I yeah, kind of. I don't know. We we have a lot to go through first. <laughs> we, we could slow down a little. I don't bit. know, Ross. You think we're gonna hit at some point? Hit peak APs. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> full, full saturation. Yeah, full saturation. Just exploit that AP market for all it's worth and then cash out in my golden parachute. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a thousand air or something. Just uh, live Brando esque for the rest of your days. Of dollars. Uh, so, uh, okay, a thousand air. That's a little yeah. uh, ambitious, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a little ambitious. Uh, yeah. So. hundred air at least. <laughs> <laughs> Multi hundred air. Thanks for the air. Thanks, thanks for the vote of confidence, there, guys. Uh, I really appreciate it. So, hey, you know what? At some point, maybe the Patreon feed will just really take off. Yeah, and you'll just be sitting there like we'll have diamond encrusted mics to record, yes. <laughs> which are terrible for acoustic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, fu- hey, fun fact, everybody: he demands all of his his Patreon payments in mercury dimes. Wow. Uh, what? An electronic currency so exotic it doesn't even exist yet. What? Uh, what? Is Bitcoin? No, like, no. You're not even doing that anymore? Apparently not. Uh, I put all my money in Dogecoin. Don't <laughs> and it, I don't care. I pronounce it Doge. Much value. Yeah. Wow. Very rich. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that uh, note, we'll be ending. RB Bear episode 123, pushing the envelope. This is Ross Payton. Thanks this is Aaron Karsten. This is Tom. Yeah. Uh, shot, I guess. <laughs> and Dan. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Mwah. That's that. <laughs>